Well, just yeah. just oh, barely. Yeah. yeah. Thirty minutes. Just I thought bit. it was noon. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's afternoon somewhere. I mean here, but. <laughs> um. Welcome back to the OOC. Yay! Today we're talking character creation. Yes. Um. So a while ago we posted a thing that. Uh, ask people do you create characters for funsies basically do you just kind of think of them do you do you just think about them in your head do you commit them to uh paper or you know uh D beyond wherever you're creating them um and it kind of got us all thinking about um characters we have created what we feel has made characters that we really liked stumbling blocks in character creations you know characters we've created that didn't quite get off the um the starting block um and just wanted because people love to talk about their characters so we're going to talk about ours and that's going to include some tips and tricks that we've picked up over time that you might want to try um i guess the first thing would be we don't want to give too much away about our um our Yas characters, or at least our Emerald Wield characters. So we might not talk about them overly much, but I know all of us probably have characters that we adore anyway. We can talk about whichever ones. I'm gonna oh, make yeah. Annika go first. I was like, I, know I have D&D Beyond open. <laughs> <laughs> and I will tell you, I have 15 characters on D&D Beyond, and I'm only in like two campaigns right now. All right, I'm opening my D&D Beyond. <laughs> There you go. Uh, <laughs> I, have, I have separate folders for my characters, like those those little like tab folders. Mm -hmm. Yes, um, I have separate ones, and like they're each in the characters like color. Yeah. So like, Alethra's is obviously blue. Red. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. I need to add tabs to this. It's been moved from the janky old twenty-five-year-old. I, I see that it's a new binder. It's so um, nice. And it's orange. Binder. And it's orange. <laughs> you guys like orange over there? Um, I don't know what happened with just... orange over here. <laughs> <laughs> right behind them? What? Yeah. Well, because um, because they were like, oh, uh, do y'all like orange or something? And, I'm, and I look up at uh, Monica's thing and like... Like Why the hamster? Them, an orange box, and then something else with that's, orange right behind. That's you. a hamster. That's a Pokemon. Oh, I'm sorry. He's a hamster. He's a big. He's a big chonky hamster, dude. Oh, now I see. Okay, so so uh, Baby Yoda's ear was right on his nose, and so it looked like the tip of a nose. Oh, yeah. Baby. Yeah. Baby. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'll go first with the characters. I well, yep. my first character was Tulip Water Lilies, a uh, tiefling bard sorcerer that I made in Pathfinder. And it was like, my my DM was like, we're going to move, like, we're going to just level up each class at the same time. Like, you won't have to pick and choose. Because he was like, I, you guys are fine. He was like, you guys have never played the game before, so we'll just do it this way so you don't have to struggle. That's largely a gestalt character for people who don't know... <laughs> dual classing and gestalt we can talk about that later <laughs> that's what we did uh so i had tiefling bard sorcerer and i was like because every time i had heard of dd i was like i'm gonna play a bard i'm gonna play a bard he was the only bard i played till i played aster <laughs> i like I, I like that you conceptually <laughs> are attracted to bards but then when you like get to putting something on paper like and left turn only have i have technically three bards one of them i never played because it was the one shot and i ended up changing um all oh, right yeah yeah and so the bard yeah so there's the two bards i've played and then most of the other characters i make are like well the two other like the two other ones i made for campaigns i made a monk with like minimal spells because i did a way of the four elements so I had like three spells. <laughs> so there be four. Well, there. Well, no, it was like three for the level I was at. So le yeah, and then I was also a water genasi, so I had the minimum water genasi spells. And then I picked uh, 
And then I made a fighter, but then I multi-classed as cleric because my friend was like, we don't have a healer in our game. And I was like, I got you, fam. <laughs> so that, that actually um, brings up a good topic. Like, when you are creating characters, how much of what does the party need go into your uh, idea of character creation? Um, I think it depends on sure. the group. Yeah. I because uh, sometimes I think if it's just for fun, so sorry. It's if it's just thing. for fun, you're like everybody play what you want. But like if you're trying to create an adventuring crew, that's we were just talking like session zero stuff, and you put it together. I don't know. I guess it depends on my mood. Do my I want to be helpful? Well, my like campaign. So the first one that I did, the Pathfinder game, we all got together and we built all of our characters around that and stuff. And <clears throat> and then the one that I played with Herman. We just made all our characters separate and then just like put them all together and that's how we managed to have a monk a fighter a druid a bard and two rogues uh <laughs> and then one of our rogues left and then our bard left and then we had one spellcaster who could heal us and yeah. we still have only one person who can heal us <laughs> hey uh we haven't died yet so you got enough rest. That's why I, I made think... Iggy was so Iggy could be like a spellcaster that could like kind of help a little bit as well, which right, was my warlock. Iggy... Warlock, yeah. Spellcaster. I think my experience has been that like there, there's gonna be there's gonna be a few people who are like first out of the gate and they're like, no, I want to build this, and like they've had this character sitting in the back of their mind for a minute, or they're a brand new player who uh it, it they're just like no i i i want to try this out like the, and and then yeah. it's the uh a few like half the party will be veterans who are like okay i i happen to know that we need to flesh out the party and yeah i have either i have a few characters that i can bring into this or you know, I want, or they're getting their inspiration from what the party needs. Right. Uh, so mm -hmm. definitely, like, cause yeah, definitely there's always the, oh, well, you know, play what you want and we'll figure it out from there. But sometimes what I want is to be a valuable member of the party. Yeah, for sure. And honestly, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that unless you're doing like a one-off or you're doing something <laughs> that's just like for blowing off steam, I think that's, that's the way you should be approaching it is getting getting attached to a character is great but you're not going to get as much out of that character if that character isn't meshed with the campaign setting and the adventuring party that they're with so you want that you want that balance um so my favorite character not finland right my favorite character is Anastasia, aka Z, from Cyberpunk 2020. Back when 2020 was a mythical future year. <laughs> um, and uh, It still is. Last year didn't happen. Didn't Last year was wish. a um, fever dream. Right? Uh, I have sucked one year of your life away. So that was in in um in that one we we built a we built a team very specifically. Uh so everybody we were like these are the roles that need to be filled. Who wants to do what? Um and uh so she she is the net runner of the group. And even though like even though it was like you didn't necessarily get your first pick. You know that whole thing like where everybody's like, here are six options. Put your top three in order kind of thing, right? That's sort of how he ended up. Uh, she ended up being a character that I really loved. Ended up porting her into uh, a cyberpunk LPC that I played. Um, and Z was what everybody knew me as when I moved to Austin. Uh, like hardly anybody Can knew my for role. that. Huh? <laughs> That's why my parents called you forever too. Yeah, so, like yeah. it really was. Um, <laughs> and so the whole idea of, of having a character that you're coming up with on the spot and you feeling like I don't want to do that because I won't feel invested 
your investiture in a character can 100% come from the gameplay. Um, so you can become invested in a quick roll character. Um, and uh, so don't let that deter you. You know, if you see that your party needs a cleric and it wasn't your first choice or your second choice, go on, give it a try. You might surprise That's how you. I ended up falling in love with Alethra almost. Like I, I created Alethra as a one-off. Like mm -hmm. I, I purposely made her OP just so I could have like a whole ton of fun with her and then like leave her there. Right. But then I fell in love with her and came up with an entire backstory. <laughs> Oops. We were talking, so we were talking about this before um, in our green room, right? Uh, about creating characters for long-term, long-run campaign versus creating characters for one-offs. There are a lot of great character concepts out there that are just not playable at all. And then there are some great character concepts out there that are not playable for long-term campaigns. And some of those are going to be good in one-offs, uh, especially where tone, the tone is probably a bit more lighthearted because you don't get quite as in-depth. I'm actually going to... Um, I'm going to pick Cadence. So my son uh, created a great character for one-off that I, I love. Uh, and again, as much as I love this character, I feel like it would be very difficult to play long-term campaign. I think it would be like kind of like a leather where you would like keep bringing him back for things. Uh, but his hold on, I always forget what his full name is because everybody calls him Trixie. It was Trixie. Uh, Kaoveth Brev. I don't even know what this name is. Oh, Brave Dream Ogoliaga. Ogoliago. Yeah, Everybody says Trixie. But um, Trixie is a Goliath barbarian who 100% believes that he is a spellcaster. Absolutely believes that he is a spellcaster. Right? Um, so it's this amazing. was made... <laughs> it was made for a campaign where we purposely built misfits. Instead of trying to like min-max or munchkin or like tweak everything to, you know, where you've picked the right class to go with, you know, the right race to go with the right class and, and everything. So it just synergizes. We were like, don't do that. Do the opposite of that. Um, but to make it work, you know, this character had to still be able to make, to, to do damage and stuff, whatever. But he also has a spell list. And because he's not bound by actual spell slots right he's got like a ton of spells but let me read you some of these spells <clears throat> acid splash it's a bottle of acid that is thrown <laughs> um spare the dying use a healer's kit right cpr yeah cpr uh light is a bullseye bullseye lantern. You just open it, <laughs> right? Shillelagh is a shillelagh. <laughs> Magic missile, four darts tied together with twine. Nice. Like, this is the whole knock, knock, <laughs> right? Um, and what was great is that he even had um, inflict wounds is the best. Because inflict wounds was the actual attack, right? Was attacking with a weapon, um, which is a a wizard staff with zero magical property, right? Um, so, <laughs> like, and there's a whole list of bullshit. Disguise self, put on a wig. So, um, Trixie is one of my very—it's <laughs> really great. Trixie is one of my favorite characters. That is a very difficult character concept to play in a long arc, especially yeah. something like imagine Trixie getting into the situation that our characters have gotten into recently in um, in the regular yeah. Yas episode, right? Yeah. It's just not going to work. But for something like this, it's perfect, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it, it reminds me of like, TV shows that were written for like one or two seasons 
and then they kept getting renewed and and the writers are like what the hell do we do with this gimmick character that right. everybody loves so we can't kill them <laughs> off my my dad's right. character in that one shot we like just made him he was an average joe that was his name it was like average yep. joe yeah <laughs> and we did like standard array he was a human fighter and everything was just average everything was average Every... all stats were 10 or something like it, that we like, did, like we like... did like the most basic standard array that you could pick and that was it like that was all we did he was just average <laughs> this brings up a thing i want to talk about <laughs> We, okay, I know I brought up Cyberpunk uh, 2020, which is, I get, like, in, in whether sci-fi or properly fantasy, all of these games are stepping outside of our own realities, ergo, our fantasy, right? Um, yes, I said ergo. Um, I think I have to say hegemony and Cytosource at some point. No, that's only for panels. Um, so... People have a tendency to not want to play humans because we already inhabit a human skin um, and it doesn't feel fantastical. It doesn't feel like you're taking a big step outside of yourself. Um, and I know that I've been guilty of it, even though I've played, I mean, clearly in CP 2020, you're human. It's not like Shadowrun, right? Everybody's human. Um, that that there is a tendency to not to not look at humans as like a viable choice when creating a DD uh character uh, just because it doesn't seem exotic and exciting um and i know it's a trap i think we all fall into um but i think it's really challenging kaden uh just did i'm just gonna keep bringing up kaden kaden is very good at coming out with characters <laughs> Uh, he he did a he's got a human uh, named Belladonna, and her whole thing is it's is she studies dead bodies for the knowledge of it, right? Like this is the thing, and the character concept is is very very interesting, and it honestly wouldn't matter what race this character was, um, but to to put it put put that character concept in a human, I thought was was kind of really nice because the way that D&D does humans is weird. I don't know because y'all probably all skip the pages, right? It's the only, it's the, <laughs> uh, humans are the only uh, race where you get to increase all of your stats by one. You get an extra language or you can increase like three slots by one, but take an extra proficiency. Like there's actually a lot of flexibility to human characters. Um, yeah. And... I want to challenge some of it. Myself. Huh? I've seen some of it, especially because one of the games yeah. that I want, well, that my I want Sydney to run because I don't want to run it, is the Percy Jackson game. Well, because I'm not as well versed in Percy Jackson, and even with that, I didn't pick a human because there's satyrs in That's that game. Half blood, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's there's humans in it, and then I was like, but I don't want to play a human because I didn't want to play like one of the half bloods. So I picked satyrs because they're in the world too, and they protect the half blood kids. And I was like, I'm gonna play like an older camp counselor character, and I made a satyr for it. So I'm excited about that eventually. <laughs> but see, there's that whole yeah. thing where like you feel like there's something weird about playing human. Even um, even if they're fucking half bloods, <laughs> right? I even, still even like, I don't want to do it. Even if half their parents are just god, like, how broken can I make this character? Like that's generally like, how, how weird can I do this? My very first character was a freaking dragon, uh, dragonborn rogue. And do you know why she chose she chose to be a rogue? She really should have been a ranger. Is because she was a seventeen year old girl who thought it would be cool to be a rogue. Like, that's how she ended up becoming a rogue. And she, she was pretty good at it, but like her sneak is shit. I think this brings up, this brings us to another topic is something that makes interesting characters. Um, not going the obvious route. Um, it is very nice. I'm not saying you can't have a great character that, you know, it has that that obvious energy 
you know, the game D and D is is built around certain races and certain classes working really well together, right? Um, and this plays into the idea of min-maxing a character, like trying to get as much as you can out of all of your proficiencies and your bonuses to 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 make a stellar character of this type, right? And you can make a great character that way. Is it an interesting character? Maybe. But if you pick something, so like uh, I play... Finland is an elf fighter, and it's not like elf fighters are unheard of, but they're not. Usually, if you're going to be a fighter, you tend to pick something like Goliath or Dwarf or Half Orc. <laughs> uh, you don't, especially when that fighter is a heavy weapons fighter, is a frontline heavy weapons fighter, is to pick something that's weirdly jarring, like Tiefling rogue who is like properly a thief like how are you getting in and out of windows with that tail my friend like make it kind of awkward because here's the thing what makes us all interesting humans and why we love talking to each other and spending time with each other is like we're interesting and awkward right it's those little quirks that make us individually interesting um and characters can benefit from that sort of, of thinking. A what is it about this character that is odd, is kind of quirky, that makes them interesting, makes them stand out a bit from the crowd. Do, do, do they paint flowers on their tusks? <laughs> right? Exactly. Like not only like half-orc fighter, yes, but what if pretty, pretty dresses and decorative tusks? Um, you know, like these little twists, uh, help you, even if it's something little like that, like just one little twist, I think really adds that extra dimension, uh, to a character. Um, you know, Caden talks about, we were talking about characters, uh, you know, before we got on here and he mentioned that Orisk, who is his first character is a dwarf heavy weapons fighter. There it is. And he's like he's not attached to it yet he's a powerful character yeah he yeah. could do a lot of damage like whatever but was that interesting to play no <laughs> um and so then he came now he's into things like trixie um <laughs> <laughs> my uh my water genasi monk eventually uh, as as we kept like playing the story, I was like, I want something tragic to have happened, and so I made in their backstory that some like because they were a pirate, and then they pirate turned monk, <laughs> is what I made, uh, and the whole reason that uh, she she's afraid of water. Like if water gets like above, like right up to here on her, it freaks her out. Um, for yeah, for I'm water genasi. And it's because the ship that she captained, they marooned her, and instead of leaving her on a on an island, they just threw her overboard and, like, tied chains to her feet, and she just sunk down, and she was there for, like, ten years underwater. Because Genasi can live underwater. Right. Yeah, and so they were just like, well, right, what are we gonna right. do? So they just left her there, underwater. And so this now she great. hates water. I mean, and that makes sense. And this is a great segue to the the age-old character creation trope, the tragic backstory. Uh, yeah, um, honestly. I'm, Finland has a tragic backstory, so it's not like I'm telling you don't do the thing. I want to tell you why we love to do the thing, though. Uh, for those who watched the last OOC, you will recall that Sarah and I made mention of the hero's journey. Right. Um, part of the essence of particularly Western uh, storytelling is this idea that a hero is somehow innately broken and will somehow fix themselves while fixing the world around them. Luke Skywalker. Right. To bring it back to as we did last time talking about it in Star Wars terms. Um, it is very, we, um, like the, man, like the first 10 D&D &D games, even, even other 
like the CP2020 games and other things that we did, White Wolf and whatever, I would say almost everybody, almost every character had a tragic backstory, right? My new um, one has a tragic backstory too, so. Because it's in, fun in, to do too. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, a lot I don't, of where is, where's, yeah, I was gonna, where is Amelie on my screen? Uh, to, uh, no, above you. That's me. That's me. That's, yeah, that's Amelie. <laughs> okay. Just point generally up here. Jack yeah. has no, no tragic backstory that we are aware of. It's pretty happy, loving parent, loving tribe, like a lot of support in life choices and everything. Um, and is still a like a great character. I don't, what I'm saying is, Tragic backstories can get can, are an, a part of our storytelling culturally. You don't have to feel married to it. If you are struggling with like, okay, I don't want to build this tragic backstory. Um, something that I learned from uh, my Star Wars GM uh, was what lie does, about the world does your character believe? And uh, so like Jack's lie is that if someone doesn't like something about her, she has to change that about herself. So she actually does have some like insecurities. Just people don't generally like bring them up to her because you right. know they're kind of afraid she's gonna knock them sideways. <laughs> Fins, Fins, we've, we've talked about this too. And this was one of the reasons that I actually pitched the idea of doing this topic is because uh, Amelie and I have talked about the, Amelie and I have talked about the, uh, <laughs> um, the, the, the big lie, right? Um, and it doesn't always have to be something like super personal. It can be, it can be a global issue that you have, right? Um, I mean, that's, how we get racists, honestly. Yeah, like for, for, for example, like my Star Wars character, Ikati, um, believes that, or it, when, when I, when she was going through the game, um, she, uh, believed that basically, uh, her past defined her, like that she, she mm -hmm. could not escape her past, um, and that she had to make amends for it, uh, and when she was able to resolve that and recognize that no that her past is her past and yes it's going to define part of it but it doesn't have to define her going forward thank that's you when she, i'm sorry thank you rafiki um, <laughs> you're just making me think of the rafiki moment go on like it, it, it like she she no longer when she no longer needed redemption Mm -hmm. That's when her story arc finished mm -hmm. and she got to go be an NPC. Like Yay! now now she's an NPC. The mythical NPC uh, status. Dude, my brother so the first game that I played my brother's character became an NPC. Uh and it was so my brother made the typical uh edgy teen rogue. He named his character Shadowhunter. Uh <laughs> We're not judging you, Lars. <laughs> um, and so his character worshipped uh, pestilence. And so in the world that we... Because, like, so our characters were taken from our normal world into this new world that our DM created. Because he was like, I'm kind of tired of using this world. So we he made a whole new world for us to play in. And so in that world pestilence like ruined a bunch of cities and stuff so no one like, worships him like like it do. yeah and so no one worships him there and like plague doctor masks were known as like symbols of doctors and shit and like my brother wore it because he worships pestilence like his character and so every time somebody would come up to him they'd like approach him as if he was a doctor and my brother's like i'm not a doctor what the fuck and then eventually after we had like gone through a whole thing and we did a whole like battle of some sorts i don't remember exactly my brother like the people who like who ran the town took my brother's character like off to the side and like interrogated him about pestilence and stuff 
And then Pestilence showed up and my brother became one with Pestilence and became an NPC. And we uh, never got to see him again. And I was like, actually, like my, my DM was like, you guys might see Lars's character again and he might just kill you. We don't know. And I will never like know. So, <laughs> so yeah, um, that happened. I wanted to go back. So I wanted to, Finland's big lie to herself is that she has to prove that she can dish out and take as much as a minotaur even though she's not a minotaur like she feels like to be worthy she has to be she she has to make her body function like the body of a being that is far bigger you know has natural constitution you know so it's kind of a something that's going to be extremely difficult if not impossible for her to actually live up to but that's her big lie is that she's not worthy unless she can do that. Um, um, I to go to go with like the pestilence thing moving to another world. There is that whole fish out of water uh, trope that you can do, right? That what makes your character odd is that they literally are odd for the place that they are. Um, but you kind of got to be willing to lean into that a bit, like a whether or not. I have a mm -hmm. character like that in the in the mood game that I DM one of my friends. Uh, she was like, my character is not from there. And I was like, okay, cool. And then she accidentally took as one of her proficiencies history. And I was like, roll a history check. And she's like, okay. And I was like, wait, are you proficient in history? Me. And she's like, yeah. And I was like, not this history. <laughs> you know a lot of history, but Just nothing not that's going to help you here. It was so funny because I was like, wait, that's not right. <laughs> I like it's gonna make you think of something and you're gonna yeah. expound on it for five minutes but it's gonna have no actual bearing yeah. on this situation it was so funny um, though um another thing that we talked about in the green room that i i want to i want to focus on is um conception the very con like beginning of your nascent character the like these uh the very first conceptualizations that you start having of characters um, we have a tendency when thinking about characters, thinking them, uh, I'm going to use exactly the same terms that I did before when we were talking about it in the green room, um, is already seeing your character as Strider or Gandalf, right? That you're already like, I am this like amazing rogue, right? This is my character is this amazing ranger. My character is all these things like and you come up with all this complexity um which could be fine if your dm has put you in a game where you're starting at level eight but this almost never happens we're almost always starting at level one and so to think of a character in terms of level one-ness um I think is a big is one of the big hurdles that people have in developing a character because we want to hurry up and get to the part where we're cool right um so i um i i want to talk about viridian i guess a little bit because of that you want to talk about I, what viridian mm. so um i and we can talk about characters we've made that do not fit in campaigns that are being run yet and just are sitting there waiting to be played. But um, so I had this concept that I really wanted to play a nimble rate. Um, if you don't know what a nimble rate is, they are these um, mechanical humanoids uh, that exist in uh, in Faerun, right? Um, and I kind of love the idea of 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 playing one, um, and I decided that in order to because they can be very uh, people tend to play them as pretty powerful like uh, rogues like a lot of like piratey stuff um, you'll see. But I was like, what if one was like almost like a tod like not a toddler, but very young, very naive, just starting out, which is really what all these first level characters are, right? Um, is that that Viridian was created 
by um, a priest of Gond uh, illegally. And the worked for the priest for like a year or so. Um, and then they were caught. And uh, the priest was ordered to destroy Viridian, but could not destroy it. And so uh, sort of dumped it uh, out in the sticks. Um, and so, you, I, you know, you have this character that is good at noticing things, keeping notes, like basically being helpful in a lab, who is now without their maker and their mentor out in the world, kind of on their own. I'm not conceptualizing this character in all the power that it could have, right? Um, even though I have ideas of where I'm going to take it, like which, like what direction I'm going, but that's not where I am. Um, Annika wanted me to mention um, uh, Nana, who's from one of our one-offs, is from the um, Slayers one-off. Which is available uh, on YouTube. It is one of our free one-shots. Yes, it's one of our our few free one-shots, so you can watch it. Um, and... While most of the characters that I tend to play, I start young, like 17, 18, maybe 22, like in the beginning of their, their journey, right? Luke Skywalker. <laughs> um, I like Star Wars. Okay, so um, Nana is different. Nana is literally a Nana. Nana has had children and now has, a, has grown grandchildren. And Nana was a, a teacher, had a job of being a teacher, is retired, but then becomes basically a monster hunter. Becomes like the grandma version of Buffy. But like Buffy first learning, right? And that's another thing that you could do if you conceptualize this character as being older. Think about why this older character might not have a lot of skills in what they're doing. What were they doing before? Were they a potato farmer? Like, are they real good at digging holes in the ground, but not real great at swinging a sword? <laughs> like, throw in these, these layers of why a character might be brand new. Um, what their hopes and dreams and fears are. Um, what skills they they've left the farm with, right? Um, you know, like I, I said, we're not all, we're not all Gandalf and Strider. We're all Mariadoc. <laughs> well, and like, what, uh, one thing that I, that was something that I ran into when I was creating Ikati, who is the, my Star Wars character. Um, because, uh, it, this was the second character that I ever created really. Um, and I had already created this young rogue. And so I wanted to go in the opposite direction. I wanted to create this middle-aged, like, kind of gets what she's doing, but I needed a good reason to not know what I was doing as a player in this system because, again, I wasn't familiar with the system. So I like to build in faults for my character so that, like, if I as a player mess, it can be worked into the character, um, which is another tip that I tend to suggest. That is a like, great tip. <laughs> make your, if you are unfamiliar with a system and you don't have the capacity to read through the entire effing rule book, who does? Um, Sarah. She needs them yes. all. Fair. <laughs> um, but like, give your character a reason to mess up. Um, so Ikati, yeah, she was middle-aged, but I gave, I gave her memory loss. Like, she she was starting fresh from a couple of years ago, basically, after a ship crash. And it turns out, oh, she came from the Jedi Temple. Like, based on, like, what I ended up putting into her. Uh, another tip that I have is let your character teach you who they are. Mm -hmm. Um because like you can have a concept for a character so again i'm gonna go back to ikati i wanted a force sensitive um character and i ended up i can't remember what the race is called it's the green ones with the tattoos 
Do either of y'all the tattoos? Yeah. I think it begins with an M, but I can't remember right now. Uh, but anyway, um, so again, I chose it for the cool factor, you know, uh, I, I really liked that, that the, the imagery of the Maori chin tattoo, like that was mm -hmm. really cool to me. Um, and so I started, I was like, okay, force sensitive, is this race? Um, it, it, she has memory loss and we're set in this specific timeline. Okay. Well, what does that then mean? That means that she was force sensitive as a child and this race really appreciates the, uh, the Jedi. And so like the moment that you're force that they notice you're force sensitive, you're shipped off to the temple. So that means she had to be in the temple. Um, and so if she was in the temple, that means it was this time in the temple and oh crap, I got to watch all of Clone Wars now. Um, uh, research time <laughs> and, uh, Okay, well then, how did she, you know, survive Order sixty six? Because I, I the, all of these are questions that came up. It, just from the concept of my character, if I want this, how does this happen? And your yeah. your your DM can be a great resource on that as well. Yeah, um, if you for have sure. a good DM, <laughs> if you have a good DM, you're gonna be able to bounce ideas off. That's, uh, that actually happened with, uh, my face. So I run, as I've said, a moot campaign, which is Mythic Odysseys of Theros. And a friend of mine who isn't part of the campaign anymore because time difference, they live in England. Um, they were like, I want to make a Warforged. And I had already like said, I didn't want Warforged in this thing, like in it, cause it wouldn't have worked. And then I was like, okay, well hit me with your idea then. And they were like, well, I want to do a Warforged that was a statue like a statue that went wrong and became like a living statue of marble now like a golem kind but of not. but so she's okay. a warforged but is like a marble statue and she lived like she was part she like she was part of like an experiment that they did in like one of the one of the polises that was like um just trying to see if they could do it and then when it happened she came to life and she was um i think it was like one of the one of the students at the school just like fell in love with the statue ah yes luminara there we go <laughs> mary allen that was it um, and i wasn't like mary allen on the team which was kind of cool sarcastic sassy Fury Allens in the entire galaxy and we put them on a ship together it was great there you go but yeah it was just fun like because they were like I want to be a warforged and I was like I don't know how that'll work with mythic odysseys of Theros and then she was like but I got a plan and then we made effigy a warforged statue <laughs> and then she was also an artificer so she had like all like she basically before she like came to life Part of her like was already alive so she watched all of the like uh scholars and stuff working and that's how she got most of her knowledge because they all started at level one they're all level two now so the big jump from one to two yeah they get stuff finally Ooh. so everybody loved those moments like for when your character like um not every character has the same like big jumps but i know like just getting off a of level one Four is a big one. Five can be a big one, depending on your eight. Was a great one. Yeah, I always look forward to these big milestones. Yeah, I'm it was. But yeah, it was where when... something is going to emerge in my character because you get to yeah. choose paths and choosing paths. I think that there's um there's a balancing act, right? Where, like I said, um you know, before where I already have kind of an idea where I want the character to go. But there becomes a moment when you're choosing your new proficiencies or your new feats or whatever. Yeah. Um, that you might change your mind based on what has happened story-wise in your campaign. Yeah. That's like, um, that's like, well, with my character, I haven't played yet. The tiefling rogue. Was that like I was like I didn't want to go with like stereotypical rogue, and so literally 
she doesn't do it like she doesn't do any of your typical like i didn't put proficiency in stealth didn't put proficiency in deception like i didn't do any of that stuff like yeah she likes to steal stuff but it's not like she doesn't have like that need to do it like heck i made pathological thief i made her like expertise is in acrobatics <laughs> my acrobatics is plus 10 <laughs> Dang. Um, so yeah, I can do I, roll, I can do acrobatics all the time when we start playing when I get this character. So like teaser for what's coming up in Yas. Um, these two lovely people are taking a break. Yes. <laughs> uh, go off and be cast members for another cat for. Uh, <laughs> Come find us. I, if you're in the Austin, Houston area, come find us at Sherwood Forest Fair. One of us is a human. One of us is an elf. And I'm doing a fairy. Oh, a fairy. I have wings this year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing the game of how many Plantagenet boys can I be married to? Because I used to play John's wife, and now I'm playing Henry the Young King's wife. There you go. Well, uh... <laughs> Yeah, oh, anyway. So we we're taking we're the, instead of trying to have Jack figure out how to fight without <laughs> without her best friend. Um, we, uh, and we are going instead to do a different campaign in Star Trek. Yes. And so uh, I'm actually this is the first time that I've built a character where I like did everything on a scrap piece of paper first um and then like went in and then uh did the building of the character like oftentimes what i'll do is i'll use the book and i'll be i'll have like a vague idea of what i want to, to accomplish but this time i had a very specific idea of what i wanted to accomplish and like the conflicts that the inner conflicts that i wanted this character to have and so uh i had to like write it all out and then figure out how to make this system apply to it well. That is another thing when you have, uh, I saw this in a group um, on Facebook that I'm a part of um, where somebody basically was like, what if Carmen San Diego, but 5E, right? where you have a character idea and you're like now instead of building the character out of the pieces that this um you know this game gives me whatever the game is you know building it out of those mechanics that you're like i have an idea now i've got to get all of this stuff to sort of stick to it in a way where my my idea is supported by by the mechanics of the game that I think is a very tricky thing to do. And I'm, I for one am going to be glued to watching these episodes because I'm excited. Well, oh. it's like doing these OOCs, I was just like, I haven't ever played a, uh, a male character. <laughs> um, and so I wanted to play a male character, but like I needed to get, like put, make it so that I could, you know, justifiably play him. So he has to be trans somehow. Well, Trill, I get lends itself to the trans story, uh, and so okay, cool. Um, Trill, but then I have to build two back, more than two backstories, um, and so I decided to make it easier. Not, I mean, of, I should have realized that of course there's gonna be mechanics for. Uh, the trill multiple lives in um, in the book, but you know, I was just like, no, I, I really like this character. I'm gonna go whole hog, and so I, I just determined that even the symbiont is young, um, and so I was able to create not only a backstory, and so this young symbiont had only has one previous host, and so figuring out, okay. What not only my character's backstory, but Symbian's backstory, and that's been just a lot of fun to apply not only the game mechanics, but 
Star Trek canon to it as well. That's that is. I think really- that's great though because you have so I think you have that like even when you meet a lot of Trill like in in the stories they tend to be several lives in, um, and it's sort of like how come every elf we meet is four thousand years old? Like why are none of them? 14 why are none of them 27 <laughs> like um that's why Lars uh, and i made tiny tieflings right make <laughs> right so why did monica play these tiefling like tiefling <laughs> they were terror, literally 12 terror tweens of tieflings right? we came up with oh. the idea one night at dinner because sometimes like when we eat dinner lars and i will sit on the same side of the table to be able to watch like tv and stuff and my brother and i were sitting there and we were just like doing a lot of dumb shit and my mom's like like what are you 12 and my brother and i were like we're making our characters 12 and we're gonna be twins like that's how it happened that's how we made those characters <laughs> I here's another thing make a character with somebody else at the table like a lot of us come to it you know individually this is this is a character I have created this is like my character um so having the the twins right my mom just said you're still 12 Um, in the chat (laughs) I mean 12 true um Kaden was trying oh yeah Kaden was trying to pitch to me I still love the character but I I don't want to I'm going to be running um Rhyme of the Frost Maiden, and he and his friend wanted to play an Etten, where they're each ahead of the Etten, um, which is a thing that I brought up for Caden and Lars before. And while I think it's funny, it's one of those characters that ultimately, when we got down into the mechanics of it, too difficult to play in a long-running campaign. But think of doing things like a Warforge and their Artificer. Um, like... Think of things that might pair together um, where you're not just creating an individual, but this person who, you know, they are, are you, uh, so like Nana had, um, I was like baby boy. What? Bobby or some Billy or something. William. Billy. Billy. Yeah, it was Billy. William. It was Billy boy. Um, so like you already had you know family basically um you could do that you know if if you're all friends or already actual family in the case of annika and lars right (laughs) um coming up with characters that actually are already somehow meshed together um because uh this goes back to what we were talking about early on is that it's easier to do long-running campaigns although that one was for a one-off when the characters are already sort of synergized, when they already kind of know each other, where there's already some attachment, as opposed to like, you all just happen to meet at the jobs board, which I mean, does start fun campaigns, (laughs) Um, but it is easier on the DM um, and on the characters if they already feel like uh, they have an investment in each other, Yeah, Uh, which is why, you know, session zeros are great where everybody can be like, these are these are the ideas that I have for characters. What like what do we need? What are people thinking about doing? And then spend some time maybe having family relations. Family relations. What? Yeah, I that reminds me. I need to. I want to get some like kind of stuff for my new character, but it won't be like full on like anybody knows who my character is. But we could talk about that after because I have ideas now. So. We'll talk about that after. Hour. So, like, we have about seven minutes technically. So, yeah. I mean, not that we've ever been really like tight on this thing, right? So, if let's pretend we are starting a game and we're half the game, and then the other half is first-time players, or there's a there's a first-time player to any tabletop. There's someone who is uh, has been playing another tabletop forever, but is brand new to this one. And then there is someone who uh, has played uh, has played this a bunch, but has never played with this GM before. So, what are you going to suggest to either one of these people or any of these people as far as character creation? I think the number one thing, and this is a thing that we always come to almost no matter what conversation, like what topic we are talking about is communication, right? I think that um, the 
as my mom is, uh, now refers to it, lead storyteller, um, that the lead storyteller, DM, GM, whatever you want to call them, um, is clear about what they are, like what their campaign needs might be, that they're willing to work with character, you know, with players to develop um, uh, what's, you know, something that's going to be fun and interesting to play, but also would work in this, you know, in the campaign setting. So I think number one, communicate with everybody that's in your game from the get-go. Expectations set early on. Um, build a, that framework early on. All that baseline communication. So that would be step one. Um, so uh, to piggyback off of that, uh, if you are, if you do have newbies in your campaign, then um, be open to helping them guide and, and be kind and don't, don't make, don't tease them. Like that is, I understand that like teasing is, uh, something that it can build camaraderie, but especially for someone who is just starting out, you don't know what their boundaries are as far as teasing. And you could put them off a really fun game forever. Yeah, I, I yes, be supportive. <laughs> Number two, be better, supportive. Better community through gaming, y'all. <laughs> so, if especially if they're brand new or they're new to the the, you know this this particular, you know game, um, like they're coming from White Wolf into D and D or something, um, allowing some flexibility, uh, in that in that character creation while they're getting a feel for stuff um is great and this is a thing that sarah uh, mentioned uh during this show so you'll in the future uh see this i think um is basically see what if, happened in the past yes in the future you will see what happened in the past um is that if the player does not feel like the character is meshing or they don't out vibe well. anymore with the character right <laughs> you don't you're not vibing um then don't force be like well you made this character and now they're in the story no retcon is a thing retcon exists like <laughs> like let people swap out or change stuff be like you know i thought i wanted to be i thought i wanted to be a hexblade warlock but now i realize like that's too much for me. Like, I would like to switch and just be a wizard. Like, good. Help them rework that that character into something that's more playable, more enjoyable for them. Or let them be like, I just want to come up with a different concept. And then it'd be like, hey, either you could be like, character A leaves to go off and do a thing, right? Um, or character A dies. It's very tragic. Sad, we all cry. That was like the meme um, that or, I saw where it was like this guy, his character died and he didn't want he didn't want to make a new character, so he just put Junior on his sheet uh -huh. and played the character's son. And it was just the exact same character but the son. And his whole like character motivation was to avenge his father. Father It was so fun. Like that was all the kid it was like a kid who was playing oh, the yeah. character and he was so upset that his character died, he just put Junior and just kept playing I it. Love it. There you go. <laughs> um, or the other option is the 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 ultra retcon, which is the new character is the old character. It always has been just when you think back on these memories of the campaign, just put this new character in where the old character was. Um, it's called role playing. Give it a try. It's a game. Um, <laughs> um, these are yeah. games. They're supposed to be fun. It's games, yeah, they are supposed to be fun. Um, even when they're extremely sad and tragic and we're all reaching for the tissues, no spoilers, uh, it's gonna be intense. Um, so I think communication, flexibility, patience, um, those are all really big, especially. Um, I really don't want to see people you know, come to the table with all these, you know, bright, wonderful ideas and then be, um, you know, we talked a bit about game prescriptiveness, right? Uh, last time where we talked about how prescriptive D&D was in its original form and how it's losing some of that prescriptiveness as it 
as it mutates um is allowing allowing some of that creativity to flourish and find out how it works with the game mechanics um i think i think a big challenge and one that i see a lot especially so um from women dms is the tendency for particularly male players to munchkin or min max um and undermine a game so on the facebook group that i'm with this is a problem that comes up a lot uh with female uh dms is they don't know how to handle that is that when somebody comes in and they're trying to be you know the main show the <laughs> Caden's over here like making like Cracker me up. Um, Dude, I believe it. Believe it, Kate. That, that, that's really difficult. And I think that's a tendency. You know, we talk about Orisk, you know, Caden's first character, which was all pumped to the max dwarf fighter, right? <clears throat> that I think being a patient DM, but also having firm boundaries and having that line of communication open that, um, you know, I'll. I'll allow it, but I'm not gonna let you showboat, right? Yeah, it's what I did with Lars's also, character. Like, no showboating. Uh, with Lars's Minotaur, because Lars rolled crazy stats for his Minotaur barbarian, and I I made him dumb. I made him change some of the stats because he had like two twenties on there or some shit, and I was like, no, we're moving these down. You are gonna have an eighteen and like two sixteens. You are not going to have, like, a bunch of high stats. And so we moved it all down. I was uh, like, yeah. Mm -mm. And, and, and also, like, that's that's another good spot for the Session Zero to work on is, you know, the the lead storyteller explaining what how, how they like to storytell. You mm -hmm. know, this isn't going to be a first-person shooter at the table. Right. Um... Or and... this is this is going to be a lot of adventuring versus this is going to be a dungeon crawl. So we were talking about that with um, this game that we're going to be starting because we talked about our options for gaming, um, and one of them we talked about doing uh, dungeons of uh, dungeon of the Mad Mage, um, and we talked about doing um, I, I still want to say uh, it's Princes of the Apocalypse. Now my old gamer brain is like Temple of Elemental Evil. Um, Princes of the Apocalypse, and the other one was um, Dragon Heist. And these are like three, like, Dungeon of the Mad Mage is just flat out a dungeon crawl. Like, flat out old school dungeon crawl. Your character does not need to be particularly backstory heavy in that one, right? All the way to like Dragon Heist, where there's a lot of political intrigue and like the people that you associate with and the choices you make um, heavily influence the way the game goes, right? And so we're talking about that. What is everybody interested in? Are we interested in just blowing off some steam and like doing a classic uh, dungeon crawl? And if so, then we're going to build characters that fit that right this is where you're gonna need a forward fighter a rear fighter a healer a magic key right you're gonna have to have your classic team versus you know on the other end of the spectrum where you could have a lot more variation because it's gonna be a lot of this political intrigue and stuff and you don't necessarily need to be a fighter right but that was like we what picked I the middle ground we did the middle ground that so was like what i suggested we should have a whole Temple group of not simple of elemental evil when i said we should, of the apocalypse. when i said we should get like a whole group of rogues and name ourselves the alphabet mafia and be like agent a and like agent, agent f yeah. and shit like that was an idea i had for our group i was like i want <laughs> Right? It's like it's like the band of bards, but like rogues and we're all like a secret mafia. I wanted it. It would have been so fun. <laughs> it would have been fun. It would have been fun. But that's the thing. And so talk about the game context. I want it. <laughs> yeah. Talk about the game context. Talk about like ideas and then settle like come to it as a group with an understanding of expectations and working together. And hands down, that's that's our 
that's honestly, I think our number one suggestion for just about anything we talk about. <laughs> yeah. We should just put communication, communication. communication. and creativity. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, so thank you everybody for yep. listening or watching the OOC today. Um, by the time this goes out, which will be sun this coming Sunday, uh, nothing else will be released. Uh, our new episode of Yas is going up the Wednesday after, and then we'll be doing OOC do again on miss. Thursday. No, you don't want. You, do you gotta watch that episode. It's gonna you be great. Have to. It is yeah. so good. So yeah, it is now. Everybody, everybody used to have their their favorites. Now everybody is like episode twelve. <laughs> It's okay. I didn't. I don't like episode eleven. So episode twelve makes up for me not liking episode eleven. So that's fair. I mean, I I I, I had a lot of fun with the owl bears, and I like this one. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So yeah, we hope you all enjoyed, and we'll see y'all next week. And tell us down below about some what of the topic? characters you have created on YouTube. Not on, on Twitch. The, we can't do that on Twitch. Yeah, not on Twitch. But That's on done YouTube. <laughs> on YouTube. You missed your chance on Twitch. So, Tell yeah. it on you. <laughs> Goodbye, everybody. Bye.